Optimistic people are the ones who are going to shape our society for the better. They are the inventors. They are the entrepreneurs, the politicians, the military leaders. They're not your average thinkers. They take risks. They see the other side of the coin and they're seeking challenges to make things better. I am Shante Javon Taylor, and you are having coffee with the neuroscientist. I have a question for you. Do you think optimism is a bunch of BS? Not that kind of BS. I'm talking about a bunch of brain science. That's right. I'm here to answer that question from the lens of neuroscience, or what I like to call neural perspectives. So let's just see how much BS optimism really is. So the name of the institute is Optimine Neuroscience Coaching and Training Institute. When I was looking up and studying the word optimism and optimistic, it made me realize that Optimine can also go for having an optimistic mind. It sent me through another pathway of thinking that when I say Optimine, optimize the brain, I don't necessarily mean optimize the brain in the sense of just enhancing your memory so you can remember names or long digits that really don't mean anything. When I say optimize the mind and the brain, I'm talking about a global effect on the brain, which the memory will be enhanced. But if we know how to use the brain at a higher level, will have a global effect in order to optimize how the mind and brain works. So that was an epiphany for me, even just studying this concept of optimism on the brain and mind. So being optimistic, as you will see, is a way to have that global optimization effect on the brain. So let's define optimism. I know we've heard it before, but I'm just going to define it so we can keep it in context as we go through how optimism affects the brain and mind. Optimism is having hope about the future and a person who tends to expect good things will happen. So you can conclude already that thinking in a positive futuristic way can help the brain thrive in a positive way. Another definition of optimistic is to anticipate the best possible outcome. And I'm going to talk about the pitfalls of optimistic thinking, being overly optimistic, because I think that's important to address as well. But when you compare the definition of pessimistic, you'll be able to decide <laughs> instantly which has a better feel to it and which characteristic would better influence our world. Okay, so the definition of pessimistic is tending to see the worst aspect of things or believe the worst will happen. How many of us have been around people who always see the worst, who always believe the worst will happen? That doesn't make us feel good when we're around those people, right? Pessimistic can also be a doctrine that evil overbalances happiness in life. When I read that, I said, okay, wow. 
So just having a pessimistic attitude is an indoctrination in our belief system that somehow evil surpasses happiness and good. And if we are a society that's in a constant pessimistic state of mind, that means evil thinking, negativity, is going to be the predominant way that we conduct our lives. So we have to change that indoctrination or help people around us change that indoctrination. Because when we err on the side of optimism, it makes for a better, more positive society. So why optimism? Being optimistically biased can be both a blessing and a risk. You thought I was going to say curse, huh? <laughs> so it's a blessing because those who are more genetically endowed with being optimistic, they tend to live a more fulfilling life because they accentuate the positive of life, the positive experiences, even their challenges. They're looking for the silver lining. They feel overall sense of being fortunate. And that guides them in their thinking and behaviors differently than someone who is not optimistically biased. There is some evidence that people can be genetically endowed with being more optimistic, just like there are genetic markers to show that people are more prone to depression, right? So some benefits of being optimistic or living an optimistically biased lifestyle means that overall we have this disposition of well-being, we're more cheerful and happy, we're even more popular because people like to be around optimistic people who are positive and look at the good in life. Some more benefits of optimism is being resilient and adapting to change and failures and hardships. The Mayo Clinic did a study that showed that optimistic people live 19% longer than people who are or neutral or pessimistic. People who tend to be optimistically biased have a stronger immune system, so our overall health improves, which means people probably take better care of themselves, right? So that's also a benefit. Why optimism? Because optimistic people are the ones who are going to shape our society for the better. They are the inventors. They are the entrepreneurs, the politicians, the military leaders. They're not your average thinkers. They take risks. They see the other side of the coin. And they're seeking challenges to make things better. I think one of the main benefits that I'd like to focus on for our purposes is the benefit of having mental resilience in the face of challenge. There's a lot going on in our world, and I think this training is very timely. There's a lot of challenges, a lot of room to be pessimistic, to be doubtful, to be fearful, to be scared. And we know what part of the brain is being activated. But the more we learn about optimism and its effect on the brain, the more we can, if you are, get ourselves out of that lower brain activation and move into the higher parts of the brain, the more advanced parts of the brain, so that we can work towards a more positive outlook in our society. So 
we have clients, we have students, we have teams that will face setbacks, right? Cold calling, some of our clients are entrepreneurs, so entrepreneurs go through their ups and downs. Marketing firms, scientists have to go through a lot of experiments <laughs> to finally get one that actually works. And then they have to repeat it to make sure it wasn't a fluke. So I can attest to that. Just think of these cold callers and entrepreneurs and scientists if they did not have an optimistic outlook, if they did not believe in a positive result or a positive outcome, they would never succeed. Being optimistic builds this network of mental resilience so that people who are optimistic, people who want a certain outcome, they keep going. Optimism fuels the goals, the outcomes. It suppresses the emotions that occur with potential setbacks so that they don't give up. Martin Seligman, he's the father of positive psychology. He talks about having an optimistic explanatory style when addressing our adversities or challenges or even our successes. So I will talk about some strategies on how to fuel or learn optimism. Okay, so we can learn to be more optimistic. I know there's always been a debate about nurture versus nature. Are we born with intelligence or a way of being or is it nurtured from our environment? And I believe most scientists and people in the social sciences would agree that environment has to do a lot of how we are shaped and a lot of things can be learned. So optimism is one of those things. So mental resilience as a result of optimism, let's think of leaders who are pessimistic or reluctant to consider new or different ideas. Let's consider leaders who are stuck because they are ruminating on perceived errors, either of their own doing or of others. If they are not optimistic, if they have not built up the mental resilience, if they tend to err on the side of pessimism, this stimulates a negative state of mind, which can affect their productivity or the productivity of their workforce. If they're in this negative state of mind, it clouds their judgment, it decreases their ability to find solutions to move the organization forward or to move their team forward. So it's in the benefit of leaders to be more optimistically biased. So some people may say, and this is in the organizational world, which I do have graduate training in as well, in the organizational world, optimism can seem like a soft skill, something that's not really tangible or measurable. It can even be categorized sometimes as a Pollyannish way of thinking. But neuroscience has proven that an optimistic way of being in the face of challenges or future decision-making can do a lot for the organization and for the workforce. So when we inject optimism into situations we can decrease dejection or pessimism. 
which will increase productivity. It will move people forward. When we inject optimism in challenging situations, it can serve as a mediator in people losing motivation. So if people are more optimistic, their motivational brain centers increase, which then decreases their anxiety. It improves their productivity. It can possibly decrease people wanting to leave and quit. They can turn over high attrition rates in the workforce. So all of these things can be mediated by having a more optimistic outlook. You can think of optimism as being hopeful. That's a synonym. And you can think of it as a way to create brain adjustments, to create new neural pathways of thinking, of thinking its way to success. Okay, so it's a positive future way of thinking. So here's a couple of neuroscience studies to prove that optimistic thinking is not so Pollyannish after all, or not so soft <laughs> after all. It's a real thing with real results. So a study done by Morton et al. in 2009 reported in the Journal of Pain that people with high optimism and low anxiety perceive pain less. Okay, why would that even be important? So the whole experiment was trying to determine if there's a correlation between optimism and anxiety on people receiving a placebo treatment for pain. Okay, so a placebo meaning not the real drug or treatment for alleviating the pain. They think they're receiving the drug or treatment for the pain. The participants who reported having a high optimistic view on life and tended to have low anxiety had less pain perception because they expected more that the drug or treatment would work. So that activates a different part of your brain when you expect good to happen. On the other hand, the participants who were more pessimistic and had high anxiety had a higher pain perception. So why does this matter? It matters because when you think of our leaders or clients, students, managers who are pessimistic, who have high anxiety, they're going to activate their amygdala, right? The amygdala activated pain response, if you will. Once that amygdala is activated, it can become distracting and it shunts attention away from the prefrontal cortex, shunting resources away from finding solutions or encouraging the team think forward or be more positive or be more creative. When we're in a negative state, it's really hard to have other people be in a positive state of mind because where are you operating from? If you think about the reward state of the brain in the prefrontal cortex, right? You're releasing dopamine that is fueling that reward circuitry and you feel good and you feel more motivated and you start accessing more prefrontal cortex resources to think, plan, imagine. And that's moving forward. 
versus staying stuck. You can imagine that dynamic now. Another study in neuroscience in 2007, Sherrod et al. reported a study in Nature called Neuromechanisms Mediating Optimism Bias. What they studied was the effect of moderate optimism on the brain. The conclusion was having moderate optimism displaces fear and downgrades fear perception in the brain. So what they found was in brain imaging that there is an increase of activation in the anterior cingulate cortex that's located in the prefrontal cortex. Okay. I refer to it as the ACC. The ACC is the error detection system and monitor of the brain. Just to use an analogy, it's like a flashlight searching for conflicts in our priorities and our emotions. It also serves in the motivational process, the anticipation of tasks and emotional regulation. So it's highly connected to the amygdala but it's also connected to the reward circuitry and other parts of the prefrontal cortex. If we are optimistic and we have this activation of this part of the prefrontal cortex responsible for error detection, they also see that it activates the amygdala. And I know you're like, why is it activating the amygdala if it is also important for motivation and emotional regulation? they saw that the amygdala was also activated. It's like they were doing this dance and the ACC was modulating the amygdala. Okay, so it was telling the amygdala to take a step backwards. Before the optimistic methods were enforced, neither parts of the brain, the amygdala or the ACC were activated. But when the participant became more optimistic, in their methodology as they were looking at the brain imaging, both of these regions activated. But the role of the amygdala was that it was being modulated by the ACC. And the brain could be a funny thing. Back when I was earning my degree in neuroscience, I would often go to office hours for my neuro professors. And I would ask these conflicting questions because some parts of the brain would be inhibited while others were being excited. But it would be happening in a similar region, which didn't make sense. And it didn't make sense to my neuro professors either. And that's why learning about the brain is going to be an ongoing thing. So their overall conclusion for that study was that when we expect positive events, it enhances our motivation our behaviors change and our neural pathways can access the prefrontal cortex that will allow us to reach future goals. So how can we hone in on the skill of optimism? I have some strategies for you. I'm gonna use an acronym, optimist, optimist. O is the first strategy, use an optimistic explanatory style. So an optimistic explanatory style developed by Martin Seligman helps people to see the world from the glasses half full type of mindset. Part of being a coach, part of being a leader is to pick up on 
both unconscious and subconscious patterns of the people you're dealing with. You can pick up on the type of language, the frequency of words that your clients, students, teams are using, and you can determine if they tend to be more pessimistic or optimistic. So the person tends to be more on the optimistic or pessimistic side of the spectrum. You can then start redirecting their language, bringing it to their attention and helping them to determine another way to explain their adversity or challenge or explain their success in a more optimistic way. Let's say a person had a certain challenge. An optimist will say, you know what, it's only temporary. It's not a permanent thing. This is just one chapter of my life, a lesson that I need to go through. A pessimist would say, this is going to last forever. I'm never going to get through this. <laughs> so that's an opportunity to alert them to how they're speaking and to guide them in a more optimistic way of explaining the challenge. This can even happen for our successes. Some people may think that success had nothing to do with them. That's what a pessimist would say, right? Someone else made this happen. But an optimist would say, I made this happen. I put in that effort. I put in that time. Yes, other people may have had their hand in the success, but an optimist would give themselves some credit. An optimist would also say that, you know what? This is one of many of my successes. A pessimist would say, this is only a one-time thing. It will never happen again. I doubt it will happen again. It was luck. <laughs> Wasn't my effort. Look for those type of explanations for both challenges and successes. And I know that people who are business coaches may encounter a lot of pessimistic explanations for challenges and successes. Okay, so that's O. P in optimist is focusing on future positive events. Guide your clients, guide your team into how to look at the future from a positive perspective. It's like playing the piano. <laughs> when you're dealing with a pessimistic culture or a pessimistic client, they have to train themselves to use a new language, reroute their neural pathways to think in a more positive light, helping them to imagine what a future success would look like. And always end with the in positive goal. Because if you end the conversation or meeting with uncertainty, that kind of backtracks everybody into that amygdala type thinking, right? Uncertainty, practice, focusing on positive future events because that activates the ACC and thus motivation. Okay, T and optimist is teach. Teach people, teach students, teach your team, teach your clients about how optimism affects the brain and how pessimism affects the brain. Being optimistic opens up the mind. It stimulates the prefrontal cortex. Pessimistic minds do the opposite. Optimistic minds decrease the fear brain. It deplaces the fear that the amygdala gets activated on. An optimistic mind jumpstarts the imagination. It jumpstarts the imagination because now you're looking at what the future could possibly be. You're imagining it. And once the imagination is kick-started, 
then the planning can go into it. Then the action can go into it. So it's like a domino effect. The I in optimist is imagine and refocus on the mission. So on one hand, you're going to be practicing how to focus on the positive outcome. And on the other hand, you're going to focus on imagining the mission with the caveat of not focusing on the how. The how includes details and you can get lost because there's so many pathways. So you want to stimulate the imagination. Stephen Covey would say, begin with the end in mind. That's why one of the reasons I love that book, because I can read the book with the brain in mind and work backwards. So when you start with the end in mind, you are imagining a positive future event that's stimulating the anterior cingulate cortex, which calms the amygdala and makes the fear subside, but it also then activates the reward center, the motivational centers. You see how it starts connecting? Okay, M in optimist is move beyond pros and cons. People make lists of the pros and cons of making a decision about a goal or advantages and disadvantages. I want to challenge you to move beyond those lists. That doesn't mean don't stop doing them, but sometimes when we have teams and we're trying to make decisions about how to move forward or the projects to take on, there's all kind of ideas, right? There's cognitive diversity. People have their own way of seeing it and their own solutions. And that's okay, which is why if we move beyond just people listing out their ideas and pros and cons, the higher order thing you can do is have everybody just imagine that the goal was achieved, whatever the goal is. Have everybody imagine that their goal was achieved and then work backward from that optimistic feeling and the view of having solved the problem or have reached the goal. And when you work backwards from that positive future event, those positive emotions, it's a different dynamic than trying to move through everybody's ideas and the whys and poking holes and everybody's ideas. Just have everybody start with the end in mind and then you work backwards from there. And then you're starting from a higher place in your mind and emotions so that people can be more open and cordial and motivated to hearing each other out. I is interrupt, interrupt those negative ruminating thoughts, those negative pessimistic thoughts by doing something physical. When you see that your mind keeps going over the same scenario, you feel stuck, you keep ruminating on the problems or what the things that went wrong, and not just one time or two times over and over again, it keeps surfacing. Some people use a rubber band, they put it around their wrist and do a light snap, snap yourself out of it, exercise, or have a statement that is more optimistic that reroutes that thought or idea. And remember, every time we reroute a thought or an idea or interrupt that program, physiological changes are taking place in the brain to start another pathway those dendrites, they're growing, and if we fuel them, then they keep growing to create different pathways. S, S an optimist, is suggest words or actions that will prime the brain for optimism. So there are studies that shows that this actually works. 
college students that were primed with words of aging, like Florida, retirement. You could see in their behaviors them acting as if they were more aged. Okay, so we could do the same with other concepts. If you are a team leader or a coach, you are giving your spiel or something before the meeting starts, you can infuse words of success. You can infuse words that stimulate positive thinking or acceptance or listening type of dynamic you want to create for that call or that meeting. You can use words that will prime the minds of the participants. Even body gestures, standing or using your arms in such a way that signifies success or motivation. Some organizations like IBM will put up posters, posters of thinking out the box. So there's a few ways to prime the mind. Okay, and the last one is T, optimist. T is for test their beliefs, ask optimistic questions that will test their beliefs, their way of thinking. You can ask, what's the end goal? What would be the reward if we met our goal? Let's imagine everything worked out as planned. Because you always have those people who will come up with every problem for each solution. So the, a way to redirect that person's mind is to say, let's just play a game here. <laughs> let's imagine everything worked out as planned. You get them in a certain state of mind, a different state of mind. They'll have a different emotional energy. And then you can work backwards from there. Okay, so those are the strategies. There are some pitfalls to being optimistic. We got to address that. So when we're overly optimistic, we can be overconfident that if everything works out, we don't have to really plan. So we tend to underplan. We underestimate the risk taking that's involved. This is where experimentation comes in. If you're working with people who are too pessimistic, shooting for more optimism is a great thing. But if someone is relatively optimistic and they could use some more optimism though, you don't want to overshoot the landing. So you just got to fill it out and see how the outcomes play out. Now you have more activation of the prefrontal cortex. You got some motivation. Now you have your imagination going. You have some plans and actions. So now what's left is, okay, you actually got to the goal. Then you have to go back as yourself and you're the one going through the process or your client or your team, then you have to go back and say, do we underestimate? Were we overconfident? Where were the holes? What can we learn from this process? Find the Goldilocks moderate phase of the optimism to get the feedback on if you are at the right part of the spectrum for optimism. So you can see how optimism is an essential tool for yourselves, leaders, our clients, to rewire our brains and the brains that we influence. Being optimistic is just not raw, raw, think positive thoughts. It literally activates specific regions of the brain to process and interpret positive future events. So now you know optimism is a bunch of BS, but in a good way. Until next time. Did you like this episode? Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast and share with a friend. And if you consider yourself a modern thinker and if you want 
free mindset success tools and more tips and strategies on how to use neuroscience in your everyday life and how to stay motivated and inspired to live your best self, come visit me at ChanteTaylor.com, enter your name and email address and sign up for my newsletter. Remember, when you better your mind, you better your brain, you better your impact. <laughs>